This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids, the podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now, please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Well, if you have looked at the internet any time <laughs> in the last year or two, you have seen the two letters we are going to be talking about today, and we have the right guy to talk to. Oh, that we do, Jeff. What problem are we solving today? How do you program an AI robot? How do you program an AI robot? Oh, this one's going to be so exciting. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Let's get right into it. Today, we have the terrific Dr. Elliot Heflin Jr. He is... CEO and founder of RealityTechs.com. Welcome to the show, Dr. Heflin. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, we are excited to have you. And while everybody can't see right now the cool robot that's behind you, we are going to talk about that in a minute. But I like to start the show with, did you always want to build a robot when you were a kid? No, it's it's ironic because. I was just discussing the other day. Yeah. I actually have a picture of me as a five-year-old with a robot sitting on my lap. Wow. So I was like, ooh, isn't it amazing how everything goes in full circle? Yes. yes. So but though, um, when, when I first entered into, I guess you can say, the tech field, right? I had entered in as a computer science undergrad. Okay. And this would spark my interest. It really sparked my interest about, you know, coding at that moment. Right. Robots was not even on my mind. Believe oh. me. They were on my mind back when I was a kid. When you were five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but no, at that point, I didn't even think of it. So I got involved with coding and pretty much mastered Java and JavaScript wow. and Python pretty much. And decided to teach it to children. What sparked the robot to come into play was I was reading the article. Oh. They, and they said that the US student was number four in technology and coding. Oh, yeah. I said, really? I said, you know, having a track background, right? Know that number four is never mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I so, ran track too. I agree. So, <laughs> number four gets nothing. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I was like, no, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't have this reputation. So I went ahead and all of my colleagues, they were doing robotics, but to me it was not of a higher standard. Oh. Okay. Uh, that's just my opinion. Right. 
It wasn't to a higher standard. It wasn't what the children, from my perspective, deserved. Right. I wanted them to have something that is real. Yes. Not not some abstract robot. You know, uh, we can teach you how to code by plane or anything like that. No, I didn't want to do anything like that. I want to give them the physical robot and give them the knowledge to control the robots that's huge to them right now. You know, the six-foot robot. This yeah. Is, oh, yeah. This is this is the smallest robot, the smallest humanoid robot. That's wow. That's in the world. So I said, okay, well, I don't have millions of dollars, so I'm gonna have to get the smallest one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got the smallest one, and and that's how I ended up here. And I just really wanted them to know technology. Oh wow! It's yeah. be- it's terrific. And I love hearing that. I would love to have you go just a little bit deeper on how you made the transition from when you started working with robots yourself as a computer science grad to working with children. Were you already working with robots in the industry and then switched over to working with children? No, I was not familiar with working with robots in the industry. I actually had a summer cap, a summer cap, and I was thinking of different themes I could, you know, incorporate in the cap. Right. One of the themes was, you know, back then, the rinky-dink robots. Yes. (laughs) You know, I had a few of those and had drones, so I had a drone in robotics cap. Okay. Ah. Once I started doing that, I was like, it's time to take this robot thing a little further. <laughs> take it you up know, a notch. <laughs> yeah, to give them, you know, to give them what I say is the reality. Yes. That's where the word of my company came from. Reality tech. Oh. It's a playoff play the word reality check. Oh, I like that. So, I like that. That's how it all came about, you guys. That's so, awesome. And I love how the summer camp was sort of the mm-hmm. transition. Yes. So can you explain to our listeners, what is your humanoid robot? Like, what do you do with it? What does it look like? Okay, well, the robot is, like I said, it's the smallest robot in the world, the smallest humanoid robot in the world. And the robot is called Now. And it uh-huh. is spelled N-A-O. Oh. It, it was created by SoftBank Robotics, out of France. Okay. Okay. So it was actually created in the beginning for us artistic children. Okay. Children. And so, you know, because they felt that they had better response with the artistic children. Right. Mostly artistic children won't talk to human beings. Yes. They noticed that the children would talk to the robot. Oh, wow. So what I did was incorporated the robot and to what I wanted the student to know, you know, about the robot industry and want to show oh, them wow. that it's, it's no different than what we're using now, what we're doing right now here in this class is no different than what they're doing in the industry. If the robot is two foot tall like mine, yeah, six foot tall. You know? Oh, wow, so that's really there's, cool. There's no difference. 
Okay, yeah. far as controllability, there's no difference. What wow. a connection to have made. Yeah. Yes. And how do kids, regardless of ability, how do they interact with the robot? Oh, good question. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, the robot, it's partnered with a company that's called Choreography. Okay. Choreography has developed a software where younger children, if you're familiar with Blockly or anything like that, the drag and drop, you know, scratch. Right, right. If you're familiar with those boxes, they created a software where younger, younger children can just drag the box. Okay. Perform. Wait, yeah. this gets the robot to then perform what you want it to do? Just drag oh, yeah. and drop? Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I yeah. can program this? Right. So, so say, for instance, if you wanted the robot just to stand up. Okay. It would have a dialogue box for right. the child that says stand up. And they connect the box and just press play in the robot and stand up. Oh, my God. I want one of these. I love yes. it. <laughs> so, but for the older children, there's a bat scene. You know, after you guys, we know if you right click on the computer screen, you get a source code, right? Ah. So, but if you right click on the box, you get the Python code. Okay. That's what I teach the older students how to use Python to do the same movement, movements of standing up, for example. Oh, okay. I love how that's broken out into no matter the the age of the student or child that's working, that's interacting with the robot, they are going to be able to succeed, which is going to keep them interested and keep them going. Yes. And to be honest with you guys, you know, I try to explain to the student that it is very simplistic. And I I take the, I guess, the scare factor away. I tell, <laughs> I tell them that the first person who ever taught me my first line of code was five years old. Oh, wow. So okay. you don't have any excuse. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> and I, you know, I kid with them. I know you don't want a five year old to show you up. So, I mean, I. <laughs> so, I mean, it's so, yeah. I'm just sitting here. So, you know, this is going to tell you how old I am, but I started in high school with basic, like okay. basic, you know, okay. trying to get the computer to like turn itself on and turn yeah. itself off and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I just look at where we are today with these humanoid robots and it just astounds me. Yeah. And and I'm with you. I think kids know way more about this. So, like, what are some cool things you've seen kids do with the robot, like program it to do? Okay, well, the robot has infinite amount of capabilities. Wow. And wow. when I first bought the robot, I thought it was a sales pitch. You know, they say, <laughs> they say well, well, the robot will do whatever you imagine. So really? you can imagine hearing that, oh, this is a sell pitch. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. The robot will do whatever you imagine. I found it out to be true. Really? The robot speaks 19 different languages. Oh, my gosh. Yes, 19 different languages. And mm-hmm. it can move, of course. It can walk. It can do dance. It can oh. sing. It can do whatever you imagine. I can show you with the drag and drop or the Python code, how to make it do the various tasks. Wow. Wow. 
And I explained to the students that here, where I stay here in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, we have robots in certain restaurants. And really? we, yes, we have waiters and staff that are robots. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna have to tell me because I go to Atlanta, I have to go see find these. Like I have to go find the robot waiters. This is so cool. So I want one of these. The first time I experienced it, the robot brung the pizza to my table. Oh my gosh. Okay. And my mind, you know, being nerdy in my mind <laughs> automatically said, okay, how did they do that? Right. And when I was telling you about that, the why the robot has the capabilities of walking, what we do is implement, you know, the distance. So the, oh. the child is actually learning, you can say bath, you can say bath, you know, distance. Uh. You know, different degrees, what to turn. I said, you have to implement all these different instructions. That's how the robot was able to walk from the kitchen to my table and wow. where it was going. Okay. We dive all the way into all of that kind of stuff. You know, so it just doesn't look like, oh, that is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of you just mentioned the robots in a restaurant i have yet to see that i'm with jennifer yeah we really want to go to a restaurant yes a robot. Okay. yes 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 i've started seeing robots in say a big box store carrying things around it must be great for you as a teacher to be able to connect those now real world examples of this is what robots are doing yes. rather than just having to rely on, okay, well, imagine sometime in the future, we might have, you know, <laughs> robots yes. or something else. It's really out there in the world now. Oh, wow. yes, it's, it's there. It's very, it's very prevalent in my world. You know, everyone does wake up and study robotics every day. No. <laughs> They're not lucky was, enough to do that. Yeah. Yes, it's very prevalent. It is. It's here. Oh like I explained to the students that's in my class, that partake in my class, that, you know, the taller robots, say the six feet robot, they're millions of dollars. They're yes. not our price point yet. Sure. Not no. yet. So not, unless you, not unless you win the lottery, but <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> one day. One day they might will be. So this robot does the same thing as the six foot. But the six foot has a little bit more, I guess you can say, Agility, you know, it can yeah. flip, it can run, it wow. can do all sorts of things. It's, you know, that's why they call it humanoid robots, you know, because yeah. it can basically do pretty much everything a human can. Wow, that's amazing. Really? So back in April, I went to NASA Johnson Space Center and I got to meet Valkyrie, the NASA humanoid robot. Yes. Oh, but I was so excited. Like, yes. so excited. Yes. <laughs> she, or it, however you want to say it, weighs so much that they had to have, like, you know, kind of cables supporting her as she walks. Yes. And, I mean, we were on a tour. I was with a special NASA social group, and we were on a tour. And this is, I was, the engineer was like, okay, you can stand next to her for a picture. I mean, my smile was about eight feet okay. wide. And then they're like, Jen, come on, come on. We have to go to the next one. I was like, no, no, no. I want to stay with the robots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have kids who are that excited about being near a robot and programming it and controlling it? 
Oh, yes. The icebreaker that I use for every class uh-huh. is I have the robot stand up and greet the class. <gasps> nice. Wow. So he actually nice. stands up and, how are you doing, class? Oh, my gosh. How are you? I'm glad you made it to Dr. Elliot Heflin's robotic class. Oh, We're my gosh. Have fun. And, and sits back down. And they said, all the students, they light up. Oh, like yeah. Jennifer is lit up. Loud. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm thinking, up, can I talk say, to your class, Dr. Elliot? Yeah. <laughs> that would be me. And the students say, oh, man, that thing just stood up. Yeah. Oh, it talked by itself. And because I make it very, I make it very transparent. I say, okay, here's my hands. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but I want them to know I'm not doing anything. Wow. And they say, okay. So love that. I do that, too. And Dr. Hathley, that's an excellent educator move right there. Yes. That is, that is top shelf. That is a great move having the robot introduce yourself yes. to class. So <laughs> that sort of led me into sort of a two pronged question. So when your kids come into class and they see that, what are the first things that a lot of kids want to program into the room? Oh, good question. The first thing. And then what's the most complicated thing some of your students have had the robots do? Okay. So the first thing we have the robot do is to have the robot speak. That's the first thing I teach them how to use the text-to-speech software through the robot to get the robot to say whatever they want to say. And I have each student type in, you know, I tell them, type in something that you want the robot to say. Make sure it's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) It should be polite, yes. (laughs) And they type it in and and we just pick a few students and let it rip from there. I want to see what he really can do now. I was just going to ask, so after they get started, I can imagine they they want to progress quickly. What are some of the more complicated things yeah. that they program into the robot to get the robot to do? In my opinion, the most difficult thing that they have the robot do is called a timeline. Oh. And okay. you're developing a timeline for the robot. And the example that I give them, I'm kind of dating myself now, too, <laughs> The example I usually give them, if you took a magazine and, you know, a comic book and flicked it real quick. Oh, yeah. And it moves like the thing is really moving. Yeah. Okay. That is a timeline. But we develop different movements. So say, for instance, if I want the robot to start with his hand here and then move his hand to this side. I would put that in the timeline. I would lock one timeline here, then the next timeline here. So now it would go like this. And we just combine different movements. And the most difficult thing we ever had to do, the project that I gave them, is recreating the Macarena dance. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That sounds like an impressive timeline. How many steps would that be in the timeline? Yeah. It's It's a lot. And I tell them all the time, that now they have a true understanding why it takes Marvel yes. so long to come out with the next movie. Yes. <laughs> so they understand now. They really have life experience. Understand that this is not a microwave thing. This is ongoing. And we're going to have to be a team to come to fruition. Because if you try to do, your, do it yourself, you'll probably be forever doing it. Well, because I'm also... 
I'm guessing that when you do this, then you have to like test it. So like, like you might have the hand move from one side to the other, and then the next person has the hand move one side to the other and then puts it down. And then you have to test each kind of yes, yes. we have to test sequence and make sure. So it could take forever if you have like 50 parts, yeah. you have to test it every time you add something else, right? Yes, but the beautiful thing about it is each student, they get a virtual robot environment. So oh. they actually get this robot in a software application. Okay. And they're able to manipulate the robot, the movement. So I tell them their homework, I give them a list of movements and say, okay, your homework is to work on this. Right. So when you come back to class, you have this in place. We'll play it on the virtual robot first to make sure, you know, it's not diving off the table or anything. <laughs> it, it is pretty expensive robot. You don't want to break it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. And that's what we usually do. We test it out on the virtual. And if it's acceptable to me, then I let a few students run it through the real robot. And they get a chance to see the movement that they created happen on the real robot oh my god seriously do you take adult students i might go up to atlanta and take your class man i think i'm gonna end up going in that direction but the platform that i'm on now we do from nine i do nine to 18 oh wow because i started nine because i want your reading comprehension to be there right right so Gosh, that sounds fun. I want to make a robot do the Macarena. I want to make them do that. I think it's very interesting for older people also. Yeah. From the standpoint of we are a digital world. Yes. These robots that I talk about, you know, that's out of our price point, will become an ordinary sight. (laughs) Yeah. And not long. Probably in our lifetime. And like I told people, you don't want to be in the position where, you know, the robot has more knowledge than you. (laughs) No, that would probably be bad. You know, because, you know, a lot of people don't believe that it's here. Yeah. Sure. I would like to know, what would you tell students? I thought of this when you mentioned your broad range from ages nine all the way up to 18. Yes. I can imagine there are students out there that are thinking, you know what? I can't do robots. Mm-hmm. They're too hard. I don't understand coding. I don't like computers. What would you tell those kids, what, those students, Dr. Heflin? Okay, no problem. No problem. And then to make a correction, I am available. Oh. I teach this class online. Oh, oh, fantastic. So, hey. so this is a remote class, and I have part of my office set up like a studio where, you know, the robot has his own mic and his own camera and all oh, that. Oh, nice. So actually, it's like you're there. So that's out the way. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and, for that. Yes. And what I usually tell the students is that this technology is here, mm-hmm. if you like it or not. I'm just being very transparent if you like it or not it's here so to me it will be wise for you to put yourself in a position where you at least know about the technology right even if you're not going to go into 
computer science or robotics, so to speak, you still want to know. Because remember, I'm in the frame of mind where you're going to have a robot to do montane tasks in your home when you get by my age. Okay. I I take one of those. Yes. Yeah. So you do mundane tasks, and it will be a plus for you to have some knowledge about coding and robotics. So when the robot doesn't do what you want it to do to wash dishes, oh, he won't stop washing dishes. Okay. (laughs) So what do we do? Okay. You have to call a repairman. So you're going to have to have at least some basic knowledge. Yes. Of what's taking place. Or I can be one of those guys who are unethical and go in the back room and sit back there for 30 minutes. And it only took me two seconds to fix the problem. Yeah. But if you don't if you don't know anything about a robot or anything about coding, how would you know yeah. what I was doing? So exactly. at least take that portion and think about, okay, one day, the world is going this way. So one day I'm going to have a robot. He's going to serve me drinks. And I want to know, <laughs> and I want to know about robots. Yes, that works. So that's a good excuse to dive in. And once they dive in, there's no turning back after that. That I, I mean, can understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, yes, I love robots. I think they're very cool. But I find it hard to you not impressed in robots, especially if you get to figure out how to control it. Yes. Right? Isn't that the cool part about You're like, look, yes. I made the robot do that. To be honest with you, Jennifer, I have never met a child or an adult that didn't like this robot. <laughs> I have I, never met. I can understand. And as soon as our listeners see, they will yes. understand just how cool the yes. now robot looks with yes. that fun face, those great eyes, and <laughs> talk about humanoid. Yeah. The hands with fingers. Yeah. 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 So can you tell us about your class, like how people can get in touch with you online or whatever, if they're interested in your class, Dr. Heflin? Okay. Yes. You can find me on Facebook, of course. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. You know, as Dr. Elliot Heflin or Elliot Heflin, or you can go to realitytexts.com. Okay. All lowercase. And you'll get an opportunity to see all the different courses that are offered. Wow. And you can connect with me that way. And like I said, I'm very transparent. I even have my direct number. So you can call myself direct and talk to me about a class. That's fantastic. So we'll ask you for your link. So everybody make sure you go to our website, solveitforkids.com, and you can get the information to connect yourself with Dr. Heflin. Put me on your list for when you start teaching adults. Okay, great. great. <laughs> because I think robots are amazing. Yes, great. I want to ask one more question. Dr. Heaven, looking into the future, and as we are all getting older and moving further and further into the world that's already here now, what do you think may be the first one or two uses? You just mentioned washing the dishes. <laughs> I know kids want homework robots, but that might not be able to be first. What do you see might be those first sort of helpful robots in our world? Okay, yes. We'll, we'll probably see a lot of robots that, like I said, do mundane tasks. For example, we know the mundane task of, you know, the 
I guess you could say the robot that sweeps the floor. So we know okay. that's just a mundane task. And yep. all it really is, is just a sure. robot using what they call object recognition. So it's okay. Okay. objects. So it's just scanning the floor for objects. And each time it sees the object, it's going to pick the object up and keep going down back and forth. So that's something very, you know, something to take off our plate. So now you don't have to sweep the disc and send the eye, eye broom out and, and it does the thing. That so, works. But I try to, you know, I want to, I guess you could say, plug this in or reiterate this. I know a lot of people are worried about robots taking our job. Never going to happen. Okay. So, yeah, it's never going to happen because your job title might change. I'm not naive now. It might change, mm -hmm. but you have to remember that, say, for instance, to answer your question, to answer both the questions at the same time, say, for instance, we have a robot that's doing stocking, so to speak, at the grocery store. Okay. Okay, mundane tasks. Yes. Okay, so now the little Johnny, little 15-year-old Johnny, he's out his job now for being a stocker. Okay, but remember, there's someone has to clean the robot. There's someone has to service uh, the robot. There's someone who has to write the program for the robot. There's okay. someone who has to design the robot. So the robot is creating more jobs than the street. Hmm. Well, that's an intriguing. I never looked at it that so, way. Yeah, you know, I try to teach my students always ask the question why. Oh, I like that. It to the day you die. I don't care who the person is. So, you know, then you might get on. I tell them all the time. You might get on their nerves. <laughs> but, yes. Okay. They still want you to ask why. So if I'm going to lose my job, why? Because you haven't learned how to code. Ah. Uh, because you haven't learned how to design. Yeah. Not because the robot took your place. It's because you didn't want to elevate your knowledge to the next step. Ah, I see. Okay. That makes sense. The last conference that I did, I gave the lady an example. I told her, remember back in the day, way before my time, when everyone used to ride horses? Yes. And everyone used horses as the transportation. Right. So the number one guy who was known for taking everyone where they wanted to go on the horse how did you think he feel when the automobile came out? Oh, yes. So now he could have sat around and whined and said, oh, man, I can't do anything with my horses anymore. Or I can learn how to drive an automobile. <laughs> he can get a driver's license. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not out of work. My position just changed. Yeah. I like that analogy. That's a great analogy. So. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun, Dr. Heflin. Okay, so now we like to ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. I'm curious, what is your challenge going to be for our listeners? I want your listeners to research what impact is robotics and coding going to have on their generation. Don't even concentrate on anyone else's generation. On your generation, what impact is it going to have? Ooh, I like that. And see what kind of answers you come up with. 
Yeah, that could be a bunch, a bunch of different things. Oh yeah. my gosh, that leaves us thinking there, Dr. Yeah. Rufflin. Awesome. This has been a fabulous episode. I have learned so much. And of course, I always think robots are amazing. So thank you so much for being on Solve It For Kids, Dr. Heflin. Thank you, Dr. Heflin. Oh, no problem, no problem. We say it all too often, but we absolutely could have kept talking to him. Some of these episodes might stretch longer than the usuals. What a fun chat talking about programming AI robots and the leaps that robots are taking from, you know, what we grew up with and even what kids like five or six years ago were playing with as programmable robots into what's available now and what's coming in the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's so incredible, the leaps and bounds that have happened in this community in just the last couple of years. It's wild. And as everyone listened and heard, I love this stuff. I'm so excited about robots. And now I have to go, like, meet one and have one serve pizza to me and all this kind of stuff. I just think it's such an amazing topic. And it's kind of wide open for kids of all ages to get into, too, don't you think? Oh, I agree. Especially with that restaurant connection. People are seeing robots in restaurants, in big box stores that are doing some shopping for folks. And it really is going to touch our lives in, you know, self-driving cars can be considered those robots. Yes. The number of different things that are going to come into our lives and are eventually just going to be commonplace. So jumping back to his challenge of research, what impact AI and robotics is going to have on your generation? What a neat challenge because he targeted Dr. Heflin, so smart. He targeted all of our different listeners by asking them the question to think about it in terms of their own generation. Exactly. And of course, it's going to be different. I mean, those of us who grew up learning MS-DOS and, you know, like very, very early computers that were inside your desk, you know, kind of, it's, it's a big change. Well, we hope you guys go out and look up this challenge and consider it. And maybe go out and interact with robots. If you do, we'd love to hear from you. Please tag us on our social media. We are at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our website, SolveItForKids.com, because we have a page for every episode. And here, you can go and learn more about AI robots and also Dr. Heflin himself. And nobody be thinking these AI robots are beyond your capabilities. No. If you're thinking that right now, go back and re-listen to this episode. <laughs> yes. Because Dr. Hevelin just told us how they're not. Exactly. So we can all reach out to those. Until next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve It, it for, for Kids. kids.